we're just so blessed to have Pastor Brendan and Pastor Helen. Let me just say, can we honor the leaders of this house? They are such a blessing. Amen. Amen. And uh, we have been uh, spending time together and just really uh, blessed uh, by their wisdom, uh, by their revelation, by their prophetic uh, grace that is over their lives. And I have written a few things down when I, when I went back to the, to, to the accommodation. And, uh, and I'm trusting that the Lord's going to do great things. Uh, not just in here, but in our church. You know, sometimes when you come to be a blessing, you come to water others, you know, God waters you as well. Many times whenever I go home, people say to me, are you not tired? You know, when you go especially to Asia, they work you hard. You know, you go four sessions in the morning and a big meeting in the night. And uh, I mean, during the day and then a big meeting in the night. But let me just say, I always come back home stronger and more anointed and come on. Amen. Because the Bible says he waters others will be watered himself. When you are in your lane, every time you serve God in your lane, it adds. It doesn't take away. It increases. Amen? And uh, it's such a blessing. It's such a blessing to be here. I just feel like I'm in another level even tonight. The presence of God is so heavy. Let's lift up our hands right now and just pray in the Holy Ghost. And I want you to say, Lord, whatever you have for me today, God, I don't want to miss it. I do not want to miss it. If you can pray in, the, in tongues, go ahead. If you, if you can pray in English. Uh, whatever language that you want to pray. But just right now, pray and build yourself up in your most holy faith. And say, God, I don't want to miss you tonight. I don't want to pass. Don't pass me by tonight. Lord, I will, I will cry out to you. I will touch the hem of your garment. Everything that you have in store for me in Dare to Dream Conference, Lord, I will receive it. I will receive it. Everything that you are prepared for me, I'm going to get it. So I thank you, Lord, that my heart is positioned. My heart is positioned to receive from you to hear from you God to receive from you if you have a dream on the inside of you just put your hand on your belly and just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost right now Shaka Baba everything God that you have destined for me to bring forth Lord I thank you that it shall come forth 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 there are people that God has given you dreams he has given you visions and God is saying as you begin to come into that position Position of birthing your dream, birthing the vision that he has already put on the inside. Just begin to pray right now, Lord, that you will give us strength to bring forth on the outside what we are seeing on the inside. Father, we thank you that we shall see on the outside what we are seeing on the inside. Lebranda kesikiriando kosata. 
Father, I pray for every Joseph in this place who's got dreams of leadership, but they're in the pit and they're about to give up. I pray, Father, that you will strengthen them. Those who are their outside doesn't look like their inside and their inside looks like it's opposite to what's happening on the outside. You say they're going up, but they look like they're going down. God, I pray for them. I pray that strength will come, that they will not fail when they're in the pit. They will not fail in Potiphar's house. They will not fail in the prison until they come to Pharaoh's house. I pray in the name of Jesus that you will strengthen your people. That the, sun, that the sun, the moon, and the stars that will bow to them, the, 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 the sheaves of wheat, Lord, the dreams that you have showed them, Father, that they will be able to step into them. In Jesus' mighty and holy name, somebody shout amen. amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I have a word from the Lord tonight. Uh, Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37. Uh, we're going to get into the word. And I know somebody's going to get blessed tonight. Amen. I'll just take my coat off. Thank you, sir. Genesis chapter 37, verse 8. The Bible says, And his brothers say to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamt still another dream. Come on, somebody. Doesn't matter if they don't like it, keep dreaming. I say keep dreaming. Keep dreaming. The Bible says, or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. And verse 9 says, then he dreamt still another dream. And he told it to his brothers and said, look, I have dreamt another dream. And this time, the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars Bow down to me. One thing you need to understand is that every attack, every resistance, every opposition that you have faced is not because of you, but it's because of what you're carrying on the inside. The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 12 that the great serpent, the dragon, stood in front of the woman waiting to devour what she was about to produce. You've got to understand the dragon was not interested with the woman, but she, he was interested in destroying what the woman was about to bring forth. You've got to understand the weapons and the attacks of the enemy. Many times it's not because of who you are or your background, but many times it's because of what God has already deposited on the inside of you. And so you've got to understand the blessing of the Lord will flow in and through your life. That God wants to release his anointing. He wants to release his grace. He wants to release his power. The blessing of the Lord is over the dreams and over the visions that God has released over you. And let me tell you, those dreams come because of the Holy Ghost. And it shall come to pass, says God in the last days, that I shall pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. 
And he says, your sons and your daughters will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. God has called us to visions and to dreams. Hallelujah. And I want to encourage you, dare to dream. Dare to dream. Dare to dream. Don't let anything shut your dream down. Don't let anything hinder you. Dare to dream. Dare to dream. I want to speak tonight on, on uh, a subject that is close to my heart. I want to talk a little bit about on, on the prophetic destiny of this nation. The prophetic destiny of this nation. And I believe I want to speak as well as the Spirit of God leads me about what I sense is also partly the prophetic destiny of this house, of this church. Now, some years back, um, coming from Kenya, uh, I've been in Australia now for uh, since 2005, so nearly 15, 15 years. And uh, I never intended to come to Australia. Uh, I had a wonderful ministry in Kenya. I was traveling. I started preaching the gospel at the age of 11 when I got saved. Uh, some of you may have heard uh, my testimony. If you haven't, I'll just briefly uh, share just a tiny bit of it. Uh, my life has not been normal. I've not had a normal life. Uh, 2010, uh, when I went back to Kenya to visit my family, I said to my mom, I said, Mom, uh, you know, I look at my entire life and I have seen my, my life has just been a series of supernatural encounters and supernatural things. And I said, Mom, you know, did anything happen? What I mean, I, I don't understand. What, how was I when I was a child? And my mom told me a story that she's never told me before. She said to me, uh, back when... Um, in the early, in the back when, when my dad, because you got to understand, I come from a very strong Catholic background. My great uncle, uh, my grandmother's brother, is a bishop in the Catholic Church. You don't get any more Catholic than that. How many of you know what I'm talking about? My dad wanted to become a Catholic priest, but he saw my mom, thank God. And, uh, and because of that, you know, he changed his career path and he ended up becoming a doctor, uh, a dental surgeon, and he's still practicing uh, medicine uh, in Kenya. And during those days, he was in medical school and they sent him uh, to Western Kenya or the border of Kenya and Uganda uh, in the early, early 80s. And, uh, and, uh, and during that time, as he was there, 1980, uh, he, I, my mom got pregnant with me and, and during that time, uh, my dad was uh, in this hospital. It's a border hospital between Kenya and Uganda, and there was a lot of hostilities between our nation and the nation of Uganda. Some of you may remember Idi Amin and, and some of the things back in those days that dictated us. So my dad was on the border town between Kenya and Uganda, and he'd been sent there. Not many people wanted to go there, but he was a doctor in one of the hospitals there doing his internship when my mom became pregnant with me. I'm the firstborn. I've got a brother and three sisters after me. And when my mom got pregnant, she started uh, with the first pregnancy. And this is in rural Kenya in the early 80s. I mean, there, there was not a lot of, uh, there was just not a lot of uh, good you know, equipments and all that. And so when my mom got pregnant, uh, I don't know what happened physically, but she started to go downhill. Uh, her feet started swelling. Her hands were swollen. Her high blood pressure started going up. 
she was going downhill real fast and my dad was watching and he realized, you know, things are not right. Um, we need to do something here to save your life and to save the life of the baby. And so my mom was admitted in the hospital and uh, her blood pressure started scarring her kidneys and started doing damage in her body and the doctor started talking about aborting the baby in order to save the mother. And so one night as my mom is in the hospital and they, they've told that we're going to have to make some decisions, some hard decisions in the morning. In the, that night, my mama, she was sitting in the hospital. She began to cry out to God. She said that, God, if you allow me to have this baby, I will give him to you. Now, my mom was not a Christian. She was not saved. But you know, when you're desperate, there's something in you that will cause you to cry out to God. She cried out and she said, God, if you allow me to have this baby, I will give him to you. And let me tell you, God took that deal. Because that night, my, the blood pressure went down. The swelling went down. The doctors came and checked out. They said, listen, you're looking good. Your vitals look, are looking good. We're just checking you over. And we don't need to terminate the pregnancy in order to save the mother. You can have the baby. And so I end up being born and the hand of God was over my life. Now, let me just say this. My parents didn't give their hearts to Jesus. They didn't end up giving their hearts to, because there was nobody to lead them to the Lord. So they were still very religious. So I was born, and when I was born, I didn't have anybody to teach me about the things of God. Uh, to, you know, they would infrequently go to mass because they were still Catholic. And so there was nobody to teach me anything. But I remember the hand of God was over my life. At kindergarten, I remember the teacher telling us to draw what we want to become when we become older. And I used to draw little stick men holding a cross and a Bible. And the teachers would say to me, you know, why you pre what, what is this you're drawing? And I'll say, it's a missionary. I wanted to become a missionary. Other kids were drawing Superman and Batman. And when they grow old, they want to become, you know, uh, Spider-Man. But I was drawing little stick people holding crosses and Bibles preaching. I don't know where it came from. It was just something that was in me. And so, but all my life, I was looking for God. I started going to, to mass and I, was, I would harass the priest. I would wait after the mass and I will go to the priest and I will pull on his little robe and say, I have got a question. You know, where are the dinosaurs in the Bible? You know, I would just harass them with questions. I wanted to grow. I wanted to learn a lot of things until the, the priest just got irritated with me. Sometimes I'll be like, you know, go to catechism class or whatever you know and but I was always the first one there the last one to leave because I just wanted to connect I wanted to know the Lord I wanted to grow in the things of God but I felt all along like my life was just not there I was doing all the rosaries and praying and doing all those all those rituals and and penance and everything but it always felt like something was missing it felt it kind of the best way I can liken it is like washing your feet with your socks on how many of you know that something's weird when it just felt like something wasn't right and so to us in Kenya about the early 90s God began to move supernaturally there was a lot of revival that God was beginning to pour out in Africa especially in the 60s in the 70s in the 80s there was a revival called the shining ones revival I don't know if any of you have ever heard of that revival if you go to Sid Roth I think one they had one guy there that was uh, that came and talked about and to, uh, talked about this revival there was a bunch of believers that went 
went into a church and uh, they locked themselves there and they said, we're not going to leave until God shows up. They started praying, praying, seeking the face of God and they would not leave. People come and leave food at the door of the church. They refused to go and they kept praying and waiting on God until after many days. And I can't remember how many days, but it was a long time. When they came out of the building, they were literally shining like Moses when he came down the mountain. Now, when I say shining, I'm not talking about you put a little bit of Vaseline in your face and you look bright or some, you know, oil. No, they were literally, there was a glow that was over them. The villagers came around to watch and to look at them. And this guy started preaching the gospel in Africa. And people started coming to know the Lord. This is back in the 60s and in the 70s. And we had men and women of God that started coming into the nation. And revival was beginning to break out in Kenya. God was beginning to move in the 80s and in the 90s. And, and around the early 90s, uh, Maurice Cerullo, who's just gone home to be with the Lord. How many of you know Maurice Cerullo? Maurice Cerullo came to Nairobi and he put up a big massive crusade tent and he was preaching and ministering in that tent and um, in my classroom, I was 11 years old at that time, there was a young man by the name of Peter that used to sit beside me and Anthony, they used to sit, Anthony, Anthony sat beside me and Peter sat in front of Anthony. Now Peter's mom was a born again believer and so she took him to the Maurice Cerullo meeting like most moms do, pick up your child in the from school and then to go to the meeting at night and you know did what most moms do you know you, you put some toys on the ground while you listen into the message and, and you know what Anthony was watching what was going on and taking in what was going on and so the next day we were in class and Anthony you know the teacher walked out and Anthony asked Peter what did you do yesterday you know I watched some cartoons and you know but what else did you do and he said I, my mom took me to this meeting and it was a Maurice Cerullo meeting and I I saw blind eyes being opened and people coming out of wheelchairs and miracles starting to happen and breakthroughs. I was not part of their conversation. I was eavesdropping, but I was just doing my work because they were talking when the teacher had gone out. But something about what Peter was saying made my baby jump. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It made my baby jump. It did something to me. It's kind of like Mary meeting up with, with uh, Elizabeth. When they, the salutation, exchange the salutation, the Bible says that the baby jumped because there was something that was in, in Mary that was connected to something that was, in, that, that was in Elizabeth. There was something in Peter that was connecting with something that was on the inside of me. And I looked up at Peter. And let me tell you, I have, I have, I have been friends with Peter for years since we're in grade one and Peter has never preached the gospel to me but on that day and when I get to heaven I want to watch a video of the day that I gave my heart to Jesus because I don't know what he saw in me but he looked at me and he said to me Jimmy would you like to give your heart to Jesus hallelujah I said, yes, I would like to give my heart to Jesus. So he said to me, I will lead you in this sinner's prayer. He led me in the sinner's prayer and I gave my heart to Jesus. And I was born again at that point in time in the classroom at the age of 11. And I looked at them and I said to them, from today I am beginning my ministry. And you two are my first members. And tomorrow I'll be discipling you. Hallelujah. 
You see, I had read the Bible from cover to cover from the time I was young. I had a little kid's Bible with pictures and cartoons. I had read the Bible, but you've got to understand, whenever you read this Bible outside relationship, you end up with religion. So the moment I gave my heart to Jesus, this Bible began to make sense. I had read it in the context of religion because I did not have any relationship. But the moment I gave my heart to the Lord, it's like the scriptures were open to me. I said to Anthony and Peter, tomorrow we are starting our ministry. So the next day we came to school and three of us, we went to the corner of the school in the playground during lunch break. I put three rocks on the ground. I sat on one rock, Anthony sat on the other rock, Peter sat on the other rock. I opened my Bible and I started to preach to them and teach them the word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I went home and I said, mom, guess what? I gave my heart to Jesus. Dad, guess what? I gave my heart to Jesus. Now you're going to understand, my parents were not born again at the time. My dad was angry. He was so upset. He said, you did what? We Catholics don't get saved. We don't believe in that salvation stuff. That is the stuff that the Protestants do. You know, with the Catholics, anyone who's not a Catholic is a Protestant. And they broke away from us, the rebels. Amen. They said, we don't do that. We believe that we get saved when we get to heaven. I said to my dad, dad, the Bible says, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. He said, shut up. (laughs) He didn't want me to talk. And he said to me, I don't want you talking to your brothers and brainwashing them. I don't want you talking to your sisters. I don't want you dealing, uh, bringing this confusion to them. So I was silenced at home. And let me just say this. My family, my grandparents, they heard about it. They were so upset that I had betrayed the family. I remember going to my granddad's dying, you know, deathbed. As he was laying there dying, he looked at me when I came in. He said, Jimmy, are you still preaching the gospel? Are you still saved? I said, yes, granddad, I'm saved. He used every bit of energy he had to turn and look the other way. And that is my last memory of my grandpa. You can understand there was a lot of rejection. Let me just say this. Dare to dream. Even if God has put something on the inside of you and there is opposition and there is resistance, dream again. Hallelujah. Don't give up on what God has put on the inside of you. Don't give up on your relationship with Jesus. Don't give up on the things that God has deposited on the inside of you. And so I remember I went through so much rejection. But in hindsight, that was the best thing that has ever happened to me. Because the more they rejected me, the more they pushed me away, the closer they pushed me to God. And so I never attended a a Pentecostal church. All through this time, I was still going to a Catholic church because I was 11 years old and I did not have the power to rebel and go to a different church. I had to go where the parents said to go. And so all I had was my little Gideon's New Testament. And so I would preach to my brother, to, my, to, to Peter, and I would preach to, to, to Anthony. And I would share the gospel with them. And then one year later, when I was 12, I remember sharing from Mark chapter 16, where the Bible says to us, and, you know, talking about Jesus, this son shall follow them that believe. And I started preaching to them. And as I was sharing this, because I never knew anything about healing, Peter said, wow, this is a good word. I've got a t- Tell me, do you think you could pray for me and I will be healed? Now, I was not spirit-filled. I did not even know who the Holy Spirit was. 
But I just preached down a lesson on the signs that follow believers. I said, yes, let's try it out. 12 years old. I lay hands on him in the corner of the school. I said, in the name of Jesus. And the moment I said that, the, the, the stomachache was completely healed. And then I discovered that Jesus heals. Hallelujah. I went to my class. There was a big boy by the name of Fred. Fred had repeated. He had, I mean, you know those guys who are not too smart? He had repeated a few classes, so he was the Goliath of the class. You know, at that age, you know, when you repeat a few classes, you end up being like this big boy in the class of little people. Amen. And so he was not the smartest, uh, you know, the sharpest knife in the drawer. And, uh, and so he had been kept back twice and, and he was this big boy. And he used to sit in the back and I used to sit in the front. And he used to have this biro, you remember those tubes? And you shoot toilet paper and, and I don't know what they call those, that game, spitball or whatever it is. And he would target practice with the back of my hand. That was my, 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 my training on patience and forgiveness. One day Fred got sick and he got so sick that he, the teacher said, just put your head on the table. I'm going to go out and get the school nurse and we're going to call your parents and see if we can get you to the doctors. Because he was, he was in pain in class. The teacher went out and when the teacher went out, Fred got up and he came all the way to the front and, and he kind of pushed me and sat halfway on my seat. And I'm looking at him because I'm thinking he wants to start a fight with me. He said, then I looked, at, I looked at him, and of course he was in a lot of pain. He said to me, Jimmy, could you pray for me? And I thought he was about to start a fight, but I saw he was in pain. So I put my hand on his belly. I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, the moment I said in the name of Jesus, the power of God hit Fred in class, and he was completely, totally healed. He jumped up, and he started doing gymnastics, you know, trying to look for the pain. Where is it gone? Then he just took off running around the class, took off running, did one round, shouting, woo, just ran out the door. I don't know where he ran to, but he came running back, and he ran ran up to me and he said, what must I do to be born again? Wow. Hallelujah. Come on, give God praise. I said to him, believe in the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. I began to lead him in the sinner's prayer. Let me tell you from that day, I had my own personal armor bearer. Amen. <laughs> my own personal bodyguard. He was saved, but he wasn't quite sanctified. Sometimes people will make fun of me and he'll be like, let me go bash him up for you, Jimmy. I'll bash him up. I said, no, we are saved. We don't do that. He says, I'll bash him up in Jesus' name. How about that? <laughs> he was like Peter. I was trying to stop him every time so he wouldn't lose his salvation. Sometimes they will mock us because, you know, we were all carrying our little New Testament Bibles. And, uh, and, and anyways, I was blessed to have him. He was my, he was, he will follow me everywhere like this big Goliath. I'm not the tallest guy. He was like Pastor Brandon, you know, really tall. And so he will follow me everywhere. I mean, everywhere. He will say, let me carry your lunch bus. But let me carry your lunch. Let me do this. Let me. And, and so God just blessed us. You know, the Bible says, if a man's ways please the Lord, he will make even his enemies to be at peace with him. Yeah. Amen. And so during that time, my ministry grow, grew. And we end up having about 12 kids in the corner of the school. The rocks. We had 12 rocks in a circle. It wasn't like Stonehenge, but we just had these weird rocks in the corner of the school. And so we would sit together and I would preach to them. That was my little, and we were meeting every lunchtime, Monday through Friday. We'll have lunch, then we will go and sit there and we will begin to have the meetings. 
I started preaching to them and ministering to them. And then at the age of 14, I went home. And I remember throwing myself on the bed and opening my Bible randomly to, hallelujah, let it rain. Praise the Lord. And so I, I laid down on my bed, opened my Bible, and I used to do this. Every time I would go home, I would jump on my bed and read one, one chapter of the Bible randomly. I didn't pick, I just, whatever opens, I'll read one chapter. On that day, it opened to Acts chapter 2 at the age of 14. Now notice, I have never been to a Pentecostal church. I don't know nothing about Pentecostalism. I'm sitting there in the bed and I'm reading. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, the believers were together in one accord. Acts chapter 2 verse 1. Suddenly there came a sound like that of a mighty rushing wind. As I'm reading this, something began to happen in my bedroom. There was a wind that began to blow in my room. And I'm not talking about uh, just, just, just in the spiritual realm. I, no, this was literally in the physical. The curtain started to go like this. I sat up when I started feeling this wind, this breeze in the room. And as I sat up, something hit me. Shoo, and I fell back on the bed. And I remember the power of God hit me. I had no idea what had happened. All I knew, it had something to do with Acts chapter 2. I lay there, my body was vibrating. My mom was in the kitchen. She said, Jimmy, come. And she was calling me to send me to the garage, to the, to the shed to get something. I remember getting up, trying to walk, and I could not walk. My legs were all wobbly. I was walking like a drunkard. How many of you know the Bible says, do not be drunk with wine, wherein there's dissipation, but be ye what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it's just like you're drunk with alcohol. Because when you're drunk with alcohol, they say that you are under the influence. How many of you would like to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit? When somebody's driving a car and you can tell, you don't need to ask them if they're drunk, if they're driving, you can tell they're going up the curb and over this way and going, you can say they're driving under the influence. God wants our lives to be under the influence of the Holy Ghost. What we say, what we think, how we walk, how we interact has to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And so I got filled with, filled with the Holy Spirit. I went to school. I was so sheltered, so naive that I thought I discovered something that nobody on the planet knew about. I went to school and I said to my little friends, I said, guys, I have just discovered something that nobody on planet earth knows about. Hallelujah. I said to them, before I tell you what it is that I've discovered, this revelation that will change your life, I said to them, you need to fast for seven days. <laughs> you see, the Holy Ghost to me as a Catholic, the Holy Ghost was a spooky thing. It was a sp I knew the Father, I knew Jesus, I had nothing to do with the Holy Ghost. But on that day, I was introduced to the third person of the Trinity. I said to my friends, listen, this is such a sacred truth. You have to fast for seven days before you hear it. And so we started fasting, all of us. We ate nothing but biscuits and water. That's all we had but every day. We will meet together and we'll eat biscuits and, and drink some water. We were so skinny by the sixth, seventh day. Every day they would say to me, tell us, what did God show you? I said, no, five more days to go. <laughs> tell us to the next day. I said, no, four more days to go. 
And we could not even walk properly. We were so, we lost a lot of energy because we were fasting. And finally on the seventh day, we all met and we were almost falling over, sitting there. We had not eaten much for seven days. They said, tell us what you have discovered. It better be worth it. Amen. <laughs> I opened my Bible to second Acts. And I started reading when the day of Pentecost had fully come. The believers were together in one accord. Suddenly there came a sound like that of a mighty rushing wind. And as I'm reading this, the wind that was blowing in my bedroom began to blow in the corner of the school. This wind began to blow. I was standing there with my Bible open. And as I was speaking this, this wind began to blow. They started to fall under the power of the Holy Spirit. They were not speaking in tongues. They were roaring in tongues. At the top of their voice, they were rolling on the grass and roaring in tongues. About 1,500 kids were in the playing field at that time. Some were skipping ropes, some were playing football. They were doing different things. And let me just say, as they were seeing these kids in the corner rolling on the grass, yelling, they stopped skipping rope and playing and they said, what is going on in the corner of the school? They started coming across closer. But this time, my 12 little disciples had gotten up from the ground. And when people started coming closer, these other students started coming closer, they just went for it. It was a holy pandemonium chaos. I mean, they were laying hands on people in the name of Jesus. Receive. People, kids were flying under the power of the Holy Spirit. Soon there was about 300 kids under the power of the Holy Spirit. They will come close and they will start to be slain in the Spirit. Nobody touching them. There was such a glory on the corner of the field. They were coming, over 1,000 kids were coming to the corner to see what was going on. Power of God will hit them. And the teachers were in the staff room having their tea and their coffee and their biscuits. And they looked out the window. They saw the kids had stopped playing and they all congregated in the corner of the school. And they thought there was a big punch up happening because they could see there was some commotion going on. But they couldn't tell what. And so one of the teachers got up and he came, you know, in those days they carry canes. And he came to the corner of the school with this massive cane. And he found all about five, six hundred kids under the power of the Holy Spirit. Demons were coming out. Kids were being healed. And he looked around and he said, what is going on? Who's responsible for this? And they all pointed their hand fingers at me. <laughs> Jimmy. I was still standing there with my Bible in Acts chapter 2. I had not even preached anything yet. I was watching what was going on. When the teacher started coming, some of my friends who were praying, they saw the teacher and they disappeared in the crowd. But two of my accomplices, praise the Lord, they were praying with their eyes closed. You know the Bible says, watch and pray. So you can see the principle coming. Hallelujah. They did not see the teacher, the teacher on duty, the discipline master coming. They didn't see him. So he came and he found the two who are praying and he said, you, you, and who announced him who was responsible and some of them pointed at me. And so three of us were frog much to the principal's office. They took us to the office and let me tell you, they began to flog us. They beat us up. I thank God that I've suffered for Jesus. Amen. <laughs> They said you are bringing commotion in the, in the school. You are bringing disruption in the school. Because when the bell rang, the kids didn't go to class. They were lying there crying on the grass in the playground. The teachers didn't know what to do. They were saying, what is going on? What is happening in our school? 
for one month, they would ridicule us and mock us and do all kinds of things. I was just afraid that my parents were going to find out. I didn't want my parents to know because I already been threatened by my dad. And so I was sitting in school and the principal said, we're going to have to expel you from school. We don't, we, what is going on? Kids are crying in class and what is going on? So after one month, they were waiting for everything to come back to normal, but things were not coming back to normal. How many of you know when God shows up, things can't go back to normal? Hallelujah. Somebody say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome. Disrupt everything for us, Lord. Amen. And so the school couldn't go back to normal. The kids were learning, they were growing, they were doing what they were supposed to. But something had shifted. And so finally after a month, the principal called for a teacher meeting and called all the teachers out of the classrooms and, 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 and some of the PTA guys came over. And they called me out of the class and they called uh, my two accomplices out of the class and they said, this day you are going to be expelled from school. We were taken to the principal's office and were told, wait here while we are having a meeting to deliberate what we're going to do with you. And so I sat there waiting. And I remember sitting with my two friends while they were having a staff meeting in there for an hour and a half trying to deliberate what is going on in the school and what should we do with these people. I remember saying to them, listen guys, I did a little Bible study because we'd been banned from having our meetings. I said to them, let's hold hands. And I began to read them about the story of Daniel in the lion's den. And I said, God help us. <laughs> Amen. We are in the lion's den, but close the mouth of the lions. We were praying as they were having the meeting. After an hour and a half, they, they opened the door and everybody kind of scattered, going back to classes. Some went to their cars to drive off. The principal came out and he walked past me and he said, follow me. I followed him and we went into his office and I sat down and he looked at me and he said, why didn't you tell me what you're really doing? And then I looked at him confused. He said to me, I called all the teachers and I tell them to give me their opinion on what we should do with you. He said, one teacher stood up and he said, I don't know what we should do with them. But I can tell you this, my, that little boy in my class by the name of Fred, who used to punch all the other kids and bully them and beat them up. Now he's friends with everybody else. Then he said, and you know Philip, who takes all the other kids' lunch money. Now he is sharing his lunch with others. And he said, do you know Fred, Fred, who goes and he smokes in the corners of the school and ditches class? He has given up smoking. And then one teacher said, one of the parents came and took to see me. And he said, what happened to my daughter? Because I brought her to school. Because in Africa, we don't have school for disabled kids. We all meet together. We all learn together. And so this kid who was disabled, his her mom dropped, brought her to school. And then when she picked the child up from school, the child was walking normal, but was born with a crooked leg. And she had been healed. The mom could not believe it. She came and said, what happened to my daughter? And she was crying. And she said, I did not know what to say. But it has something to do with what happened one month ago. And then finally, one of the teachers stood up and he said, I don't know what you can do, but let me say, I gave them an exam. I gave them a test. And before, some of them would get 20% and 30% and 40%. Now they're all hitting 90% and 100%. And let me tell you, all the teachers started getting up, saying those who are failing in math, now they're passing in math. And yes, even me, I gave them an, a continuous assessment test. And they were, they just aced it. We don't know what is happening 
but it seems like it's a good thing for our school. When the principal heard they were doing better in the academics, he said, this is a good thing. Praise God. So he came to me and he said, that's what he explained to me. When he said, why didn't you really tell me what you're doing? He said, I'm seeing and I'm hearing. He said, for an hour and a half, I have had tremendous reports of what God has done. I have a tremendous report of what, how the school has changed and how our grade average has gone up. He said, I want you to go back to class and come back at lunchtime and we will talk about which room, which hall you can use for your meetings. Hallelujah. Come on, give God praise. Glory be to God. I came back, and when I came back to that place, the principal gave me the school hall. And let me tell you, every lunchtime at the age of 14, I had over a thousand kids that had given their heart to Jesus. We had teachers and, and, and janitors and, and, and on groundsmen and all of them lifting their hands and worshiping Jesus. And this little 14-year-old boy was leading them and telling them about Jesus. And I had never even stepped in a Pentecostal church up to that time. And the Lord began to move supernaturally. We saw miracles, signs, and wonders. At the age of 15, I started traveling the nation. God began to open doors. God moved supernaturally. It's a long story, but it touched my dad's heart. And my dad realized, listen, this, the hand of God is over this boy. He said, I'm going to let you do whatever it is that you feel God's called you to do. But do me one favor. Don't quit school. Get yourself a degree. Get yourself a master's even. But he said, do, you honor me in this. You get yourself an education. And I promised my dad I would do that. Praise the Lord. And I've kept my promise. I've got a bachelor's in business administration. I've got an MBA in international business and marketing. And it's been a blessing to be able to do that. I went to Bible school, went to Minister's Bible Institute and School of World Evangelism. Two years, I graduated with Bible, from Bible college. And, and at the age of 16, 17, uh, I had a team with me. And I remember during that time when I had with my team, I had a team of about 13, 14 people. God spoke to me and he said to me, I want you to go to Western Kenya to do a crusade. I was just young. And so I said, yes, Lord, I will go. So I contacted some contacts that I had in Western Kenya. I said, I'm coming to do a massive crusade. Could you prepare and, and get me ready and give me a quote, how much money we need? And so they said to me, this is how much money is going to be required. I, I had all these savings from lunch money that my dad had given me. I'd saved all my lunch money and I sent the money there to pay for the equipment and the stage and the peer system. And I'd send all my money for the crusade. I didn't have enough bus fare. But my team, my little team that I had that I was working with, they were going to come with me to this crusade and they didn't have any bus fare, didn't have any money. And so they said to me, Jimmy, you got us covered? Yes, you know, you got us covered? I said to them, yes, you know, just by faith. Yes, I got you covered, but I was hoping. But on the day, they will have the bus fare for us to get there. So on the day came and, and uh, we got to that place and they didn't have the bus fare, didn't have the money. And uh, they, I looked at them. They were so excited. They all had their bags. We were going to Western Kenya. They already prepared the crusade for four days. We're going Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We finish. And so I say to them, get ready. We are going. But I'm looking at them. They're so excited. But none of them had any bus fare. I only had bus fare for two people maybe. I looked at them. I wanted to tell them, listen, guys, if you don't have bus fare, you're going to have to go home. But I couldn't bring myself to because I was so excited. You look at their face. They're so excited. 
You see, in Africa, it's different from Australia. In Australia, you pay, you get a ticket, you get in the bus. But in, in Kenya, you get in the bus, and as the bus is going, the bus conductor comes around collecting the fare. And so I'm quiet. I'm trying to think, oh, what am I going to do? Finally, these kids, we decided to get in the bus. We're going to Western Kenya, and I am praying all kinds of prayer. Hallelujah. Because if you don't have the bus fare, they will stop in the middle of nowhere and they will let you out with five-fold ministry. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And some of the places that may let you out, they are wild animals there. You know, Africa is not like Australia, praise God, especially Kenya. There's leopards, there's cheetahs. Some of the roads are going through the Savo National Park, the Serengeti, the Maasai Mara. How many of you know what I'm talking about? In those places, anybody that gets off a vehicle, we have a name for them called lunch. <laughs> so you don't want to get left on the side of the road. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And so we got in the bus, and as the bus was traveling, I am praying all kinds of prayer, because they normally start to collect the fare when we leave the city, because of all the starting and stopping and the traffic lights. It's, you know, he, if he's walking, he'll fall down because of all the... So once we hit the highway, that's when he gets upset collecting the, the fare. And so he, I see the guy getting up, he's collecting the fare, and I'm praying, God, please hide us, make us invisible. How many of you know those prayers? He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Hide me, Jesus. Hide me, Jesus. Make us invisible. So he's coming around collecting. I had fare for myself, but and, and maybe for one or two others. I didn't have for all 15, 13 of us there. So he's going around. He's trying to collect fare. And, and I'm just, I don't want to look back because I was sitting near the front. And he goes all the way to the back. He comes back and he sits down. And I'm holding my breath. And he just, there's no reaction. He's okay. And I'm like, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We get to our destination and Pastor Ian, my interpreter, he starts looking at me and he says, listen, I don't feel right about this. We haven't paid. We need to confess. I told him, shut up. This is a miracle from God. The Lord has come through for us. He said, I feel bad. We didn't pay. Let's tell him we didn't pay. I said, keep your mouth shut. Wait till. Finally, kept saying that. Then I said, okay, wait till we get to our destination. We get off the bus, get our stuff, get our bag. Then you can tell him. You can confess. <laughs> and so we go to our, praise God for Pastor Ian. Amen. And so we got to the destination. I got off the bus. We got our bags out. And he called the bus conductor. He said, listen, we have all traveled. And I know these guys don't have money. We didn't pay. We, had we just want to say thank you for allowing us. And the guy looked at us and he said, what do you mean? He said, when we got on the bus at that time, a man walked up to me and he gave me a stack of cash. And he said, don't charge this one, this one, this one, this one, this one, this one, this one. He said, this is for them. How many of you know for every vision, there is provision? Every dream God gives you, every vision God gives you, he will provide. He may tell you to feed the 5,000. You may get in your pocket and try to count all your coins. You've got to understand your assignment will always be bigger than your pocketbook. It will be bigger than your bank account. It will be bigger than your ability to handle. Why? Because God wants you to learn to partner with him in what he's called you to do. He will never ask you to do what you can do. Because you will need him if you can do it on your own. He will make sure that all you've got is just some denarii and some loaves and some two fish. And he will give you an assignment that is bigger than your bank account. 
But for every vision, there is provision. Moses spoke to one million people. He said, let us go to a land overflowing with milk and honey. He prophesied and released vision. And for 40 years, their shoes never wore out. Their clothes never wore out. There was none feeble among them. They had breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and they never sowed one seed in the ground and get a harvest. God provided because where there is vision, God will always provide. One of the reasons why God gives you dreams is because he wants to connect you with the supernatural provision. He wants you to learn to partner with him. Because that which is not enough in your hands, the resource that you have in your hands that is not enough, becomes more than enough in his hands. Everybody has got five loaves and two fish. But that which is not enough in my hands, if I can learn to partner with him and put it in his, in his hands, that which is not enough in my hands becomes more than enough in his. And God has called us to partner with him. Those who are daring to, to dream, to partner with him. For see the dream come to pass. To see the dream fulfilled. I saw God give me that vision to go and do this meeting. And he provided he provided. I got there and I preached. And I'm going to close very shortly. I got there and I preached. And for four days, I preached every night. Miracles, signs and wonders. Breakthroughs were happening. God was moving supernaturally. People were getting healed. People were getting set free. We were having a move of God like never before. I remember one man that was walking past the peripheral of the crusade field. He was as drunk as a skunk and he was throwing punches. We had about maybe a thousand people there. But this guy was so drunk and he started fighting with people. Some of the ashes went and they grabbed him and he was swinging and I was trying to preach but nobody was listening or watching me they were now watching the fight that was going on so I said listen bring him up here so they grabbed him you know pants and all and carried him because he was drunk as and then he came all the way to the front and as soon as he got to the front the power of God hit him and he went down under the power of the Holy Spirit and I don't know at what point in time because after about 10-15 minutes he was speaking in tongues on the ground so somewhere between him falling under the power, he must have received Jesus and be filled with the Holy Spirit at the same time. He got filled with the Holy Spirit. He was speaking in tongues. I kept preaching. I made an altar call. People came to the front and they gave their hearts to Jesus. And we finished the meeting. We saw miracles, signs and wonders. He was still lying there. People went home. I went to where we were staying and the crusade. We switched off all the lights. And let me just say this. As he was just lying there under the power of the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. He spoke in tongues all night right down to morning. Morning, people got up. They were going about their business. In the evening, the crusade began. I came back to the crusade ground. He was still lying there. Praying in the spirit. I got up and I preached. And I finished preaching. And when I finished preaching, I made an altar call. We finished the meeting. Miracles happened. The next day, I left him there. The meeting finished. He was still there. Praying. He stayed there all night till the next morning. The next morning, he got up. And he went and he started door knocking. 
He went home, obviously got freshened up and all that. And then he went and started door knocking. And he went through his village. He was a village drunk. And he knocked on every door and telling them, Jesus Christ loves you. He wants to save you. He wants to change your life. And he started sharing the gospel. He went through the entire village. It took him seven days to go and knock on the doors and preach the gospel. And somebody messaged me and rang me and told me, listen, do you remember the man who, after this was after we had gone back to Nairobi, he said, do you remember the man who had, uh, had was drunk and he had been walking around preaching? He said, this man preached for seven days and went home to be with the Lord. Seven days from the day he got saved. God took him to, he went home to be with the Lord. And I always say, if, I, if it was not for anybody, I went there just for this man. Just for this man. When we reached Friday, I announced on the crusade. I said, we are finished. Today is the last day. The people revolted. They said, no, we were held hostage by hungry people. They said, we've been praying for what God is doing here. How can you close the meeting? You're going to keep going. We had to negotiate and said, okay, we will continue for two more days. We'll finish on Sunday. But I'd finished all the money. I had no more finance to pay. It cost me 500 shillings per day to pay for the PA system and, and all the lights and the stage and the fuel and everything. It cost me 500 shillings. I said to them, I, I, I told them I don't have the money because we were in a very poor village. They give you offerings of oranges and mangoes and chickens, live chickens. And you just look at the most sorriest person and you just bless them with it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And so I'm standing there. I say to the Lord, Lord, I don't know what we are going to do, but these people have demanded that we have the meeting. So we stayed for two more days. I asked those guys that we rented the stuff from, could you let us have it for two more nights? And I'll pay you on the last day. I was going to make try and get an I asked them to, to, to maybe give us an offering or something and to try and cover the cost. And so on Saturday, I preached. And when I finished preaching that night, I went back to my little room. And I remember at church, when they found out we are staying till Sunday, they said to me, I want you, could you come and preach in our church Sunday morning? And so I was going to preach about the anointing. I'd already prepared my Bible verses when the Spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me. That is where I was going to preach. And so I was preparing my message. And uh, as I was lying there in bed preparing my message, getting ready, I finished. I put a little marker there and I went to sleep. In the morning, I woke up as God is my witness. I sat up in my, my bed and like most pastors do Sunday morning, you go through your message for what you're going to preach that Sunday morning. I opened my Bible and when I opened my Bible to where my message is going, was going to come from, there was 1,000 shillings, brand new notes that were in my Bible. I don't know to this day where that money was, but I can tell you this. When I went to sleep, there was nothing there. But when I woke up, God must have sent a minister of finance in heaven. How many of you know heaven has a minister of finance? Amen. He came, must have come and put a thousand. There was a thousand. I went out. I was excited. I said, guys, look what God did. I had a thousand shillings in my Bible. And so we preached and I had enough money to pay for those guys. How many of you know for every vision... There is provision. I came to stretch somebody's dreams. Stretch somebody's faith. That God is a provider. God is a provider. I say God is a provider. Amen. Amen. Now I'm going to pause here because I'm going to take up from here tomorrow. Amen. But let me just pick this last thing. 
to help somebody with vision. I'll pick up on this. I know I spoke about, I'm going to talk about Australia's prophetic destiny, but I'm going to put a pause here and tomorrow you don't want to miss. Come on somebody. That's a good cliffhanger. (laughs) When it comes to provision, if we can have the musicians up, that'll be great. When it comes to provision, let me just try and stretch somebody's, because some of us here have dreams. We have visions, but we are wondering, how will these dreams come to pass? You see, in our church in Kenya, and I'm so grateful that God allowed me to, to grow up in that continent. I remember in our church in Kenya, there was, a, there was a little widow. You see, in Kenya, in those days, I don't know about these days, but in those days, there is no pension. Like in Australia, thank God for Australia how we've got our system. When you become old, you know the government will support you. In Africa, your children are your pension. That is why we we like to have a lot of kids, amen. So they can pay tax on your old age, amen. They support you. My African brothers know what I'm talking about. Your job is to support your parents in their old age. And so the more children you have, the better off you are. Now this family in our church, they never had any kids. They're very old. And I remember this little lady, this little Hannah husband of faithful, faithful people in our church. Very faithful. And one day he passed away. And when he passed away, I remember we get around um, his wife and we loved on her and ministered to her. Her husband had a little bit of savings left off. And she had, they had a little bit of savings. And the pastor came to this lady and said to her, we as the church are going to support you. We will stand with you. You don't ever have to worry. And she came to the pastor and said, Pastor, thank you for your offer. But I don't want your offer. Because my Bible says that he is a husband to the widow and a father to the fatherless. He said, my God will support me and he will supply my needs. This little old lady started using the savings and paying for bills, putting fuel in the car, paying for this and paying for that. And every day her money was running out and running out and running out. And we were, con- we were concerned, but the money was just came going down. Till one day, after about a year, a year and a half, she used the last cent that she had in the account And she paid, used it to pay some bills and buy some groceries. And she paid that. And that Sunday, when she came to church, she hung up on the altar. When everybody had finished and were having coffee and talking, she laid, stayed at the altar and she was rocking back and forth. You know, praying grandmas. They're rocking back and forth, praying, saying, God... You are father of the fatherless and husband to the widow. You said you will will preserve me. You said that you will provide for me. That night she went home. She spent her last coin. Nothing. She had nothing. She went to bed and she was sleeping. And in the morning when she opened her eyes, just as her eyes were open at the foot of her bed, was an angel that was standing there. And he was wearing a beautiful white robe and a golden belt. And he had golden hair. And he stood there at the foot of the bed looking at her laying there. And as soon as she saw him, he turned around and started walking away. And he faded and disappeared. 
She sat up and when she looked at the foot of the bed where the angel was, where his feet were, there was two stacks of notes that was there. She stood up and she saw this money, a pile of money this much. She took photos and we saw it in the church. She took the money and she started paying her bills and buying the groceries. And when the money would run out and she would spend her last coin, she would go to sleep and she would wake up in the morning and as she opens her eyes, the angel will be standing at the foot of the bed. How many of you know that God's promises are yea and amen? He's not a man that he should lie, not a son of man that he should repent. If you take him at his word and you trust him, he will come through for you. No matter what dream you have, no matter what vision God has given you, let me tell you, he will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. And she said, every morning I will stand up. There will be money in the foot of the bed. She will pick the money up, buy groceries, put fuel. For four years, for four years, the angel appeared. She went home to be with the Lord after four years. But let me tell you, our church never gave her one cent. She wouldn't take it. But she never lacked a single thing. She never had shoes that didn't have, that had holes. She never had an empty fridge. Her car always had fuel. She was blessed of the Lord. And I came to tell you, if you will stand and you will believe in God, God will provide for you. Hallelujah. Your dreams partner with God. And you will see God will cause them to come to pass. I want us to stand up on our feet right now. I know we run out of time. I came to challenge somebody's faith. To, to stretch somebody to believe God. Lift up your hands. Some of you, you're saying, God, how shall we do it? How shall we do it? But God is saying, I will provide for you. I will come through for you. I'm not a man that I should lie. If I speak to you, will I not do it? Will I not do it? God will touch businesses here tonight. If you embrace the ministry, if you embrace the vision, the dream that God gave you to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to look after the orphans. If you say, God, what you call me to do, I will do it, Lord. I will do it. Let me tell you, God will begin to meet your needs. He will begin to meet your needs. He will begin to provide for you. He will begin to release. I came here to speak and let somebody know that God wants to move supernaturally. There's a supernatural move of God. This place is going to be ground zero for what God wants to do. I want you to begin to pray. Say, God, give me faith. Increase my faith. God, stretch me, stretch me, stretch me, stretch me. Stretch me, God. Stretch me, God. I want more of you. I want more of you. I want to see your hand. I want to see your spirit. God, I want to see your face. Breathe upon us, Holy Spirit. Breathe upon us, Holy Spirit. Father God, just as you moved in that school, move in Adelaide. Father God, move in Clemson. Move in this church. Move in hope. Father, we make room for you. 
Holy Spirit, we make room for you. Father, we make room for you. Jesus, we make room for you. Come and move in this place. Come and move. Come and move. Come and move. Come and move. Holy Spirit, come and move. Shakarabababasikiriandalarabasete. God is stretching people's faith right now. God is stretching people's dreams. There are some of us, our dreams have been in the grave. We gave up on our dreams. But God is causing your dreams to come alive this night. God is causing your dreams to come alive. He is causing His Spirit to fall upon your dreams. Your Lazarus will live again. Your Lazarus will live again. Some of you, you may say, God, I waited on you, but you didn't show up. I waited for you, but you didn't show up. And you gave God a timeline and you said, by this date, by this time, God, you said you're going to do it. And you may say, God, you haven't come through. Let me just say this, that your Lazarus will still come to pass. He will live again. And God said, didn't I tell you, if you believe, you shall see the glory of God. You shall see the glory of God. You shall see the glory of God. Father God, I pray, let there be an anointing to sow. Let there be an anointing to sow here tonight. Let there be an anointing, a move of the Spirit of God to sow here tonight. Let there I want this brother right here, my brother, come to me. Yes, you're looking back. Come. God wants to do something for you. Come here too. Brother, in the name of Jesus, what's your name? Lift up your hands. Benjamin. Is it Benjamin? Jibin. Father, touch him right now. There's dreams that are in you that God is going to begin to unlock and release. Are you ready for it? I release fresh oil right now. Somebody watch him because the power of God is falling right now. In Jesus' mighty name, I break every chain. Lord, I release the anointed. I release the anointed. Can I pray for my sister in the red? Come. He's your provider. He's your provider. He's your provider. In the name of Jesus. He's your provider. He's your provider. He's your provider. Come on somebody. Begin to connect with God. He's your financier. He's your provider. Come closer. Come closer. What's her name? Julie. Father God, I thank you for Julie, that you're releasing your anointing, that you're releasing your grace, that Julie's life is going to be changed from here to forth in the name of Jesus. Chloe, is is that your daughter? Come, come. Lift up your hands. Take a deep breath. Release in Jesus' name, in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Oh, Can I pray for this gentleman back here in the coat? This gentleman is looking around. 
Come up here, my brother. Hey, Shirianda, Shirianda. Receive it in the name of Jesus. The power of the Holy Ghost is all over you. He's releasing His supernatural grace. He's touching you from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. I see the grace of God breaking yokes and limitations. And I see the Lord bringing a healing. I see Him aligning and bringing some things in alignment. I see the Lord touching your, your head. I see miracles coming over you. Oh, lay hands on Him. The anointing, the anointing, the anointing, the anointing. Can I pray for you? Yeah. You and the lady next to you in the red. Come, 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 come. Join hands, both of you. Join hands. Take a deep breath. I release the grace of God, the anointing that breaks yokes. He's your supplier. He's your provider. He's your provider. He's your provider. Come. Yeah. Oh, provider. 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 Oh. Jesus, you're my provider. 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 Oh, Shera Baba Baba Basikirianda Larabase. He's releasing provision right now. If you need a miracle provision, you feel you're frustrated because your vision, but God is releasing provision. I want this entire group right there. You, you this row and the next one, come to me. Those two rows, come, come, come. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Provider, provider, your provider, provider. Oh, Jesus. Just come a little bit closer. Lift up your hands. I release the anointing. The anointing, the anointing, the anointing, the anointing that breaks yokes and bondages and limitations and limitations. Release it, release it. Just go begin to lay hands on them. The anointing, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. The power of the Holy Ghost is releasing it right now. He's releasing it right now. Provision is yours. Stephen, Provision is yours. Provision is yours. Provision is yours. Provision is yours. Supernaturally, there is provision. 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 If you're saying, God, I need a fresh touch from you before we close, why don't you come to the altar if you can? If you can. Just take one step forward if you can. Some of you may just need to step in the aisle. God will just move and touch you right where you are. You're my provider, Graham. Receive it. 
Receive it. Come closer. Right here. Somebody get by. Take it, Jenny. Jesus' mighty name. He's providing for you. He's releasing supernatural provision. These hands are blessed. These lips are blessed. These feet are blessed. Father, I thank you that you're removing limitation. Limitation goes in the mighty name of Jesus. By the power of the Holy Ghost. By the power of the Holy Ghost. By the power of the Holy Ghost. He's providing for you. He's providing for you. I release. Josephine, God is touching you. From the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Yokes and bondages are breaking right now. Yokes and bondages are breaking right now. Limitations have been removed. Father, we thank you that you're releasing it right now. Come on, let's pray for cleansing. Let's pray for Adelaide right now. Let's say, God, do it again in this place. There is a move of God that God is releasing. There is an open heaven that God is giving us. An open heaven that God is giving us. An open heaven that God is giving us. Angels ascending, descending. Angels ascending, descending. Angels ascending, descending. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Your provider. You're our provider. You're our provider, God. Come here, my brother. Lift up your hands. Father God, provide, 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 provide. Breakthrough anointing over you. Breakthrough anointing over you. Breakthrough anointing over you. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Breakthrough anointing is coming over you. Where the soles of your feet shall tread. God is saying, I shall release it over you. I shall give it to you. I'm giving you territories. I'm giving you territories. That which is not enough in your hands will become more than enough in his hands. Give him your five loaves. And your two fish. And the needs will be met and they will be left over. Because he's the God of the overflow. Father, I thank you for the overflow. There's an anointing for overflow that is coming over Hope Church. Father God, I thank you. Shaking together. Running over. Shaking together. Running over. God is going to begin to bring people shaken together, running over. May this place not be big enough. It's not going to be big enough for what God wants to do. There is an anointing for multiplication here tonight. Come. In Jesus' mighty name, I release it. There's a supernatural grace. 
to do the impossible, the impossible becomes possible. I'll release it. Take it now. Jesus name. In Jesus mighty name. In Jesus mighty name. In Jesus mighty name. Can I pray for my brother um, right there with the black shirt? If you came, would you come with somebody or by yourself? With your wife. Come with your wife. Father provide. Provide. He's wiping away your tears. He's wiping away your tears. He is wiping away your tears. Where you feel like you have sowed and you have not had a return. God, I destroy the destroyer, the canker worm and the palmer worm. Father God, I come against every kind of destruction and I decree and declare restoration. There is restoration. There is restoration. There is restoration. And I hear the Lord saying, if the thief be caught, he shall pay back seven times. So Father God, I pray sevenfold blessing. Sevenfold blessing. Sevenfold blessing. Sevenfold blessing. Father God, I thank you for sevenfold blessing. In 2020, in 2021, in 2022, sevenfold blessing in the mighty name of Jesus. Restore, restore, restore everything the enemy has tried to steal. I break in the name of Jesus every attack of the enemy. And I decree and declare restoration, 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 restoration for everything that you have lost that God had assigned to you. Restoration, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Oh, Sakalabrande, thank you, Holy Spirit. Father God, we thank you for our worship team. We thank you for our worship leader right now. The Lord spoke to me earlier today, and He said, Judah is gonna go first. This worship team and those who are still, I know there's others in the worship team that are here as well. But the Lord spoke to me and he said that there's an anointing, a Davidic anointing that is coming upon the worship team. You've got to understand that God is releasing a Davidic anointing. Because the Davidic anointing will bring down Goliath. Whatever has been harassing the armies of God, whatever has been hindering the armies of God, whatever has been challenging the body of Christ, God is putting a Davidic anointing upon you. And some of you, you've been dealing with lions and dealing with bears, but God has been preparing you to be able to have victory over Goliath. And let me just say the challenges that you have been facing has just been a preparation for your promotion. The enemy has been fighting your anointing. He's been fighting your anointing because the grace of God that is over you has the ability to break the demonic even in the people of God. So Father, we decree and declare. And the department leader of worship, come up here, come up here. In the name of Jesus, let it begin from the head, from the head. From the head, Lord, let it begin. From the head, 
fresh oil, fresh oil, fresh oil. In the name of Jesus, touch Gemma, Lord, from the top of her head. Give her the ability to slay Goliath. Give her an anointing to slay Goliath. Let it begin from here all the way down to the rest of the team. I release it in the name of Jesus. Fresh oil, fresh oil, fresh oil. Father God, I thank you. Fresh oil, fresh oil, fresh oil. The challenges and the fights that you've been fighting, where the enemy has attacked and attacked and even tried to bring discouragement. God is saying, I am going to release an increase because of the faithfulness and the ability to stand. He's saying, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Lord, Father God, I thank you for increase. I thank you for increase. I thank you for increase. Anoint their lips. Put a sword in their lips. Let them begin to flow in the supernatural. In the supernatural. Let them carry the spirit of revival in their music, in their worship. For they thank you that the power of the Holy Spirit will rest upon them. The yokes and bondages will break. That Father, you will release a supernatural grace and anointing. That they will see the hand of God. Oh, give them the sound of heaven. The sound of heaven. New songs. New albums. New songs. They will write new songs. They will hear songs in the spirit. God, I thank you that you're releasing the sound of heaven that shifts the atmosphere, that shifts the atmosphere by the power of the Holy Ghost, by the power of the Holy Ghost. I release that right now. Take it, take it, take it, take it in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Take a step forward. I release it. Jesus' name. Hold my hand. I release fire right now in Jesus' mighty name. Receive it. Receive it. Use them, Lord. Use them, Lord. Use them, Lord. Can I pray for you? Are you able to? Father God, I pray for them. Because they're going to lead the charge. They're going to lead the charge. Lead the charge. Lead the charge. Lead the charge. Father, let there be a psalmist anointing. A release. Don't be afraid. There's people behind you that catch up. Lift up your hands. Say, Jesus, everything you have for me. Come here, brother. Say, Jesus, everything you have for me. I want it. I want it. Right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. I receive in the name of Jesus. I receive. Father, release it, release it, release it, release it, release it. I release right now. I release right now in the mighty name of Jesus. The Lord just said to me, pray for every intercessor. I just had that in my spirit. If you are called by God and you feel a calling to be an intercessor, you have a burden to pray, to intercede. Come right now to the front. This is the last one before I give the mic to the pastor. If you're an intercessor or you feel a calling as an intercessor, 
there's a prophetic and accessory anointing that God is about to release. I prayed for a bunch of people in our church one Sunday and I saw them beginning to move in a prophetic anointing that is scary. My intercessors are prophetic. When they tell you something, it is as it is. They hear from God. Come right now. Come closer. Come closer. Come closer. In the name of Jesus. All the intercessors. All the intercessors. You feel a call to pray. You feel a call to pray. Lift up your hands, intercessors. Lift up your hands. I want you to get behind them. Get behind them if you can. Just get behind them. I want you to say, Jesus, touch me now. I receive a fresh anointing. I receive a fresh anointing. I receive a fresh anointing for intercession right now. Right now, right now, right now, right now, in Jesus' name, I receive, I receive, I receive. Take it, 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 take it in the name of Jesus. Intercessory anointed, intercessory anointed, intercessory anointed. Take it, shake it, Baba. Intercessory anointing. He's releasing. He's releasing. Intercessory anointing. He's releasing. Intercessory anointing. Father God, open their eyes. 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 eyes. That they will experience the fullness of God. And don't forget her as well. Fire right now. Fire of the Holy Ghost. Fire of the Holy Ghost. Use her. Anoint her for deliverance. She will see souls set free. There is a deliverance anointing that God is releasing upon you. By the power of the Holy Ghost. It's yours. It's yours. It's yours. It's yours. It's yours. It's yours. From today, give them sensitivity, oh God. That they will be able to sense the leading of the Spirit. Father, we thank you. We thank you for what you're pouring out. 